one of the books. Can you hear me okay? Yes? Uh, I, don't, I don't like mics. <laughs> uh, one of the books that uh, the guys have been reading is uh, Rhys Howell's Life Story. Uh, I went back to an old book this week too. And uh, it's a book that was published in the, in the 70s. And it's Destined for the Throne. And I know I get so much out of that every time I open it. You don't have to read it, you just open a page and you're transported into a different realm. And I believe tonight that God is asking us to move in a different dimension. I believe for what we've been decreeing tonight to come to pass, it means that God's people have got to move. Have got to move from where they have been and from where they are and move into a new spiritual dimension that brings to pass the eternal purposes of God for this time. I believe that is the, the, the task that the risen Lord Jesus Christ has given to the church that we might move in accordance with God's divine plans and purpose for the ages, that we are decreeing that these things are about to happen. We're not hoping tonight. We are going into a place, a different dimension, in which we can partner with Almighty God. Come on, folks. <laughs> Get excited with me tonight. Because there's no other body of people on this earth that can partner with God in bringing about His plans and His purposes except the church. The church is so unique in this world tonight that it's the only body of people that are able to carry the fullness of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Come on, folks. We're the only body of people that Paul tells us that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. And Paul also tells us that we are able to carry the fullness of Jesus. I want to tell you tonight, dear folks, I've got an outline here, but I never stick to outlines, I'm sorry. And you have to tell me when I, I've got to stop tonight. You'll have to just do that, you know. If you do it on that side, that's my blind side, so I won't see it. But I, be I believe tonight that God is calling his people up, not in rapture, <laughs> but up into a new dimension of his presence and to experience a new sense of his power, not inherent in us, but in Christ. You see, I believe tonight that God is working to a divine plan. <laughs> you know? And we can't change that plan. But I want to tell you, God can't change it either. 
Because God puts his word above everything. Psalm 138. And I believe that God is unable to stop or to change his eternal purposes for the nations. But what he asks us to do is to partner with him at this time. I want to say tonight that nothing will get done for God this side of the veil. I want to repeat that. We will achieve nothing for the kingdom or for the plans and purposes of God this side of the veil. Because if we don't move through the veil that's open into that other dimension, we can achieve nothing for God. We have a privilege tonight that even none in the Old Testament, all the Old Testament worthies, never had the privilege that you and I have tonight of being able to go through an open, torn veil and dwell in heavenly realms. And yet, I want to say tonight, the church in a, on ho in a whole has never experienced this experience. There have been patches of it. There have been seasons of it. But I want to tell you tonight, God is, do is not wanting patches tonight. And God is not wanting seasons tonight. God is wanting a people to dwell in heavenly realms. That we are able to wield the sword and wield the scepter. Because we have been raised up as a kingdom of priests, or another version puts it, as kings and priests. But you see, tonight, in order to go through the veil, we have to break off the veils that are on us. I'm thinking of Israel, where God put a veil over their eyes so that they would not see. But I want to tell you, God has not put a veil over your eyes that you cannot see the way into the Holy of Holies. But Satan has. Satan wants to, wants to keep the church inactive. Satan wants to keep the church this side of the veil. Satan wants just the church to go through the motions. And it saddens us tonight to see out into the wider world the church just is dwelling this side of the veil. It's like the tribes that did they want to go over the Jordan. <laughs> I want to tell you something tonight. I hope you agree with me. If no, the boy's got some rotten tomatoes there I'll give you. Okay, if I shift this. I wouldn't like to damage the front. I wish I was in the audience to hear this tonight. <laughs> because this is something I need to hear afresh tonight. 
as I'm declaring it and decreeing it to myself, I want you to hear it too. That redeemed humanity outranks every other created being in the universe. Come on. <laughs> redeemed humanity, that is you and me. <laughs> we outrank the highest archangel in glory. How do we do that? Because we have a voice in the throne room of eternal God. God sees us tonight in Christ. And I'll not want to be heretic tonight or teach a heresy. Steve's got the wee notebook out. But I don't want to teach a heresy. But I believe that God could not lift us up any higher without breaching the Godhead. I believe that's how high, because we are in Christ, seated in heavenly realms. We can't go any higher. Come on, folks. We can't go any higher. We're there, we're up there. And yet we're afraid to go there. We make every excuse. We're happy as things are. I was once asked to describe my ministry. And I had to think about that. <laughs> then I said, well, if you think about the ministry as the ministry of spoons. Uh-huh. I said, well, I, I would love to think that God had given me the soup spoon, which was to feed his people. He allows me to use that from time to time. And then I said, I wish God had maybe given me the medicine spoon more, that I could bring healing and deliverance to his people. And he has done that. And I could go through all the spoons in your cutlery drawer. But God shut the cutlery drawer when he gave me my ministry of spoons. Because what he gave to me was a wooden spoon. Because I believe that God has called me to stir up his people. I believe that God has called me to really make you think and to get excited and to lose your inhibitions tonight. Oh, I wish we could lose our inhibitions. I wish we were in Africa tonight. <laughs> See, if I'd been in Africa tonight, that, that, that organ would have, been, would have been bouncing through the roof. I remember the first time I preached in Africa and there was a young chap at the, at the, at the organ. Now, in Africa, they haven't got big halls. They've got very poor halls. Only got half the walls on it and maybe a, a tin roof and, and dirt on the floor and a wee bit concrete for the platform. 
But I'll tell you what the Dubai's, the biggest speakers that they can get. <laughs> They're this size. <laughs> and when I approached a church to speak, I was two miles away and I could hear the music. So when I went in to preach that morning, and I started to preach, and he kept playing the organ, the boy. So every, every time he, he agreed with something I said, he, he really ramped it up. He ramped up to such a level that the whole church started to speak in tongues. They were just moving in the spirit. Wouldn't that be wonderful tonight? I remember April 2007, when I was preaching in Auburn one morning, one Sunday morning when I was doing Connecting Scotland. And I was in Auburn this particular Sunday morning. And I, as I got up to preach, I started to speak on the glory of God. And I wouldn't be three, four, five minutes into my preach when one of the leaders were right in the front with Bill was sitting. And it says, Bert, this is what we're longing for. And in the spirit, I just felt the Lord saying, just say, let it come. And I remember saying, Lord, let it come. You know, for an hour, I never spoke. I never spoke again that morning. Because the glory of God just fell in that room and open. People were broken. People were burdened. People were falling under the influence of the weight of the glory. I wish that happened every time I spoke. I really do wish that happened every time I spoke that the glory of God. Would you want to experience that again? I'm sure every one of us have experienced a bit of it. Let your glory fall in this room. Let it go forth from here to the nations. Let your fragrance rest in this place as we've gathered to seek your face. What I'm asking you tonight, dear folks, is I'm asking myself, let's get real with God. God wants his church to be real tonight. The Holy Spirit is having a job, but he's doing it. You know what he's doing? He's breaking the power of distorted lies that the church is believing. I believe that's what, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing tonight. He is preparing his people. I've lost track of time. What time is that, Dan? I haven't got a watch. Have I, have I got to go to midnight? No. Just make, just, make no, just make sure nobody's on the windowsill. You've got to know your Bible for that one. <laughs> I believe tonight 
that God is preparing containers for what he's about to bring. You see, in creation, God made containers in the first three days. He was preparing the place for his creation to come into. He didn't create anything until the containers were there. And I think that's a divine principle that God uses right through from creation. There is a time of preparation. Two weeks ago, before I came through here on the first meeting, I want to be honest with you, will I go or will I not go? And the Lord woke me up at five o'clock that morning and I went through and I sat at my wee desk and I was directed to Second Kings chapter 3. Now all you Bible students will know immediately what it says in Second Kings chapter 3. It's the revolt of Moab against the king of Israel. And so Israel speaks to Jehoshaphat, who's the king of Judah. And he speaks to the king of Edom. And the three of them go out with all their equipment, with all their strategy, with all their plans, with everything that was all humanly possible, but not one of them had asked God. <laughs> not one of them had, not one of them had, had prayed or prepared, and so when they got into the desert, they had no water. And so the king of Israel, as you would expect, he said, oh, God's brought us out here to kill us. But Jehoshaphat, being the godly man, although he hadn't consulted God before he joined up with the king, he now said, is there not a man of God near that we can go and speak to? And Elisha was there. And so they went down to Elisha. I love that. See, see, what I don't like in the body of Christ tonight is the arrogance of leadership. There's some leadership has an arrogance about it. That you're the only one that hears from God. And so many visions are killed because people come to their pastor and say, God is saying this. And they say to that person, God has not told me that. Why did God not tell? Because they're not in a position to hear from God. We need to break the arrogance of leadership. And Jehoshaphat shows that. He didn't send for Elisha. They went down to Elisha. I want to put a word out tonight if any leader isn't here. If there's a wee woman in your church you know is hearing from God, you get near to her. You get near to that wee woman. Duncan Campbell got near to these two women up in, 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 in Lewis. One blind and almost blind and one with arthritis. But they were in a place where they were hearing from God. And Duncan Campbell said to the invitation, I can't come for, I think, about a year or whatnot. My diary is filled. And so the pastor went back to the two old ladies and said, it's not coming. 
You know what they said? That's what he thinks. <laughs> because they were hearing from God. Don't despise the wee woman that pray. Or the old man that prays. Or the quiet person in your church that prays. If you know they're praying and they're hearing from God, you sit beside them. And so they went down and seen Elisha. And Elisha said, if it wasn't for the king of Judah, Joseph, I wouldn't have talked to you. They said, bring me my harp. You can read it in 2 Kings chapter. It's a, great, it's a great chapter on revival. Wonderful chapter on revival. And Elisha played his harp. And this is what he said. Go back. And see these swords that you thought we were going to fight with? I want you to dig ditches with them. Because there's something going to happen that you're not going to see. But it's going to happen away across the hills. You'll know, but you'll see it when it comes. But if you don't dig the ditches, the water will just flow right through. See if there's a move of God tonight. I hope we're prepared for it. I hope we've prepared our hearts to be containers that will receive the power of Almighty God. Arnold, just round for Barvis. During the time of revival, there was two mission halls in that street, and there was only an alleyway between them, maybe about the breadth of that aisle. One received the revival, and one let it pass by. Imagine being so close to a move of God. And missing it. See, they hadn't prepared. And I believe what God is doing in these meetings is He's causing His people to think about praying. He's causing His people to think about preparation. And He's causing His people to think about precision. Now, when they dug the ditches, they had accomplished all three things. And God honored what they had done. And in the morning, the ditches were filled with water. But let's change over to the Moabite side. Because this is the picture that the world has of the church, okay? When I'm preaching from this chapter, I usually start at the end rather than at the beginning. Because the Moabites came out that morning and because the sun was shining on the water, they thought it was blood and they said, oh, they'll fought with each other again and killed each other. You see, that's the picture the world's got in the church. They keep dividing. They keep falling out. They keep no, no speaking to each other. When I did correct in Scotland in 2007, we brought together prayer groups that had never even met together and they were in the same town. But because we came through the nation and brought a focus point on prayer, they joined together and I want to say to tonight, they're still praying together. 
So the Moabites come out and they've seen the water with the sun shining on it and it looked like blood. Ha! You know what the world says? Well, there's these Christians at it again. It's time to stop! It's time to get real! It's time for the people of God to walk in the fullness of all that Christ has won for us at Calvary. See, if we could enter into the fullness of, of our salvation, we would be a different people. We would be a different church. Our nation would be different. Because I believe tonight that the state of the, the church reflect, is reflected in the state of the nation. For righteousness exalts the nation. I was going to speak a lot in Ephesians tonight, but I'll have to wait for another night. We'll just wind down now, okay? Takes me about an hour, but we'll... We'll just wind down now, but I want to bring three points to you. That can only be done on the other side of the veil. When the Lord taught his disciples to pray, he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Go back to the old King James here, okay? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we just say that. But see if you stop and pause about that and link it up with other scriptures. In order for heaven to be released on earth, it needs a people to go up into heaven and pray it down. You see, that's the beauty of going beyond the veil. We enter into the bold, we enter in with boldness and with confidence. Not arrogance, but reverence. And we're welcome there. And when we're in that place, we hear the sounds and we see this, the sights of heaven. Amen. Would you, would you not want that for your daily experience that you can be transported into the very realms of heaven in order to see and to hear what heaven's doing? I remember lying in my bed one night. I hadn't married Ruth, but I had a wee flat in Loch Gelly. I don't know if any of you know what Loch Gelly is famous for. If you ever got the toys at school, that's where they were made. That's where the toys fight the belt. <laughs> they were made in Loch Gelly. <laughs> but anyway, that's, my, that's just a wee bit useless information. But I remember lying in my bed one night in my wee bedroom in this flat. And the whole wall of the bedroom opened up as the throne room of God. And I could hear the sounds and see the sights. And I was conscious of all that was taking place in, in the presence of God. 
and all the noise and all that that was taking place. But into the corner of the room, you think of the wall, into about, about six inches in the corner of the room, there appeared two old ladies. And I knew immediately in my vision who I was seeing. It was the two sisters from Stornoway. And they were standing there in their weakness. They were standing there in their infirmity. They were standing there in their pain and their poverty. But the minute they opened their mouth, I saw the Father hushing heaven. I want to hear what my children are saying. See, I want to tell you tonight, does the matter your weakness? Does the matter your infirmity? It doesn't matter your opinion of yourselves. It doesn't matter what the opinion of other people are about you. When you stand in reverence before God, heaven hushes to hear. And what I heard in my spirit saying, these two old ladies were now standing in a place of no limits. <laughs> Come on, folks. Come on, folks. Look at them. The world wouldn't have given... The world wouldn't have given them tuppence for them. But heaven recognized them that they were standing in Stornoway or, or wherever they were, but they were standing in the place of no limits. Amen? That's what the heavenly realms are about. There's no limits. Hallelujah tonight. Come on, get excited. There is no limits. But see, what these women saw in the heavenlies, they saw revelation. Unless you see it in the heavenlies, it will never leave the heavenlies. It needs men and women to climb the mountain. Martin Luther King, that wonderful speech, the night it wasn't a dream speech. That was a good speech. But the speech he gave the night he, he died, this is one of the, of the parts of it. He was speaking to his, his people who were under oppression and at that time we were in the deep south. And this is what he said on the night he was assassinated. I have climbed the hill and I have seen the other side. Come on, folks. That's the ability that God gives us. That we can go into the heavenly realms and we can see. And God allows us to see things that are about to happen. But if that's all you get... 
it's not enough. Because the next stage is that revelation needs to be released. So these two ladies, they prayed and released that revelation, brought it back down to wherever they are and proclaimed it to the pastor. I want to tell you, when you start to release things you see in the heavenlies, all hell's going to break loose. It doesn't mind you seeing, but once you start to pray about release, all hell will break loose against you. Because the enemy knows that if you can release revelation you've seen in the heavens, it's going to happen. <laughs> Daniel's the example of that, isn't he? Where the overlord of Persia, and then at the end of the chapter, he speaks of the overlord of Greece. 21 days! Gabriel fought with him and had to call on Michael. Because the devil knew if that answer got back to Daniel, his days were numbered, and God's people would see the eternal plans and purposes that God has for the nations. And when that old, the two old ladies brought back that revelation and released it down into the Hebrides, immediately, the devil said it's not going to happen. But if you've seen it, and you've released it, you will come to see it realized and manifested. And they did. Boy, I feel excited tonight. I really feel excited tonight. Do you feel excited tonight? Is there something rising in your spirit tonight that wants us to move into a new spiritual dimension? One that we can come up into the very presence of God. You see, I believe that Satan and his emissaries, they rule and roam in spiritual regions, but they don't reign in spiritual realms. Because we're above. Come on, we're, we're above tonight. We're above. And what does Paul say in Ephesians? That all things have been put under his feet. Who for? For you and me. For the church. Come on, folks. We are so privileged tonight. Amen? And, and, and I believe that Satan's going to try and steal this from you tonight. I really believe it is already working in your mind tonight. It's already telling you, ah, oh, well, that wee boy that comes to Falkirk, he should, well, I'm for cooking beef now. <laughs> I'll change that story now. <laughs> that wee boy that comes for cooking beef, that shouts a lot. I want to tell you, God is speaking in this place tonight. He spoke through Bill and he spoke through Steve and I hope he spoke through me. Because I have never went with what I believe. Was an outline. I believe God is, is taking over. My, my, my last prayer every time I preach before I get up out of the seat. You want to know what it is? Holy Spirit, it's now you and me. 
I don't want to run ahead of you for that's the flesh. I don't want to lag behind you because I'll miss what you're doing. Could I keep in step with you, Holy Spirit, so that you speak to me from the realms of glory that I speak to the people? That's my last prayer before I ever preach, whenever I leave my seat. And I want to tell you, God has never failed. I'm going to bring it to a close. I don't know if you or, or, or Steve want to just round it up. I just want to say tonight that all these things I've spoken about tonight can only be experienced in heavenly places. If you want to experience these things tonight, make it your life's prayer tonight. God, I've never really been through the veil. I would love to experience what this guy's been speaking about tonight. I would love to experience what Steve and Bill have been speaking about tonight. And God will show you if there's any veils that need to be taken off you. So that you're able to see the door into the heavenly realms, into the divine presence, and into a partnership with Almighty God to bring about the plans and purposes He has for the nations. God bless His word.